Are you ready? Yeah! <laughs> I'm gonna jump from the chair back to the bed. You can bring your Lego dudes over here if you want. You like a mini freaking? Yeah. But first, I'm gonna jump from the chair all the way back to the bed. Oh my goodness. Podcast listeners, this is a once in a lifetime chair. Just don't hit your head on the fan, one, okay? Two. Done. Okay. Well, I have to bring my. Okay, okay, I'll stay right here. You don't have to. You can come over here. I'm gonna stay right here. Yeah, I'll come up on the end of your bed here, so that you can play and we'll still get to hang out next to each other. I'm gonna get one of the chuba things. Um. So we are going to read chapter two of Robert. Lewis Stevenson. Treasure Island. And we read chapter one this morning. Do you remember what happened in chapter one? Um, Jim Hawkins was telling us about his um, his father's inn, which is like a hotel. And there was the um, seafaring man with the scar on his face. Remember the saber cut? Yeah, and the one leg. Well, he's afraid of a man with one leg. You mean a pig he leg? He told Jim to keep a weather eye open for a seafaring man with one leg. You should have chocolate on your face. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Maybe because there was a whole pack of weather <laughs> Okay, chapter two. Black dog appears and disappears. It was not very long after this that there occurred the first of the mysterious events that rid us at last of the captain, though not, as you will see, of his affairs. It was a bitter, cold winter with a long, hard frost and heavy gales, and it was plain from the first that my poor father was was little likely to see the spring. He sank daily, and my mother and I had all the inn upon our hands, and we were kept busy enough without paying much regard to our unpleasant guests. It was one January morning, very early, a pinching, frosty morning, the cove all gray with hoarfrost, the ripple, the ripple lapping softly on the stones, the sun still low and only touching the hilltops and shining far to seaward. The captain had risen earlier than usual and set out down the beach, his cutlass swinging under the broad skirt. Cutlass? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a cutlass. He's a pirate? His old blue coat, his brass telescope under his arm. His I have a toddler. I have many Lego toys. Yeah, you do. His hat tilted back upon his head. I remember his breath hanging like smoke in his wake as he strode off. And Wait, the last what? sound I heard of him as he turned the big rock was a loud snort of indignation. <laughs> as though his mind was still running upon Dr. Livesey. Well, Mother was upstairs with Father, and I was laying the breakfast table against the captain's return when the parlor door opened and a man stepped in, on whom I had never set my eyes before. He was a pale, tallowy creature, wanting two fingers with the left hand. What does that mean? No. It means he was missing two fingers on his left hand. Maybe he had robot fingers? No, they were cut off. Maybe he was in serious situation. Mm. And though he wore a cutlass, 
He did not look much like a fighter. I always had my eye open for a seafaring man with one leg or two, and I remembered this one puzzled me. He was not sailorly, yet he had a smack of the sea about him too. I asked him what was for his service, and he said he would take rum, but as I was going out of the room to fetch it, he sat down upon a table and motioned to me to draw near. I paused where I was with my little napkin in my hand. Come here, sonny, says he. Come Ooh. nearer here. The guys that were learning about this new guy who came into the inn. You mean like the uh, one seafaring man? This is a seafaring man, but he doesn't have one leg. He's got two. Oh, maybe it was mm -hmm. him. Let's see. I took a step nearer. Is this here table for my mate, Bill? He asked with a kind of leer. I told him I did not know his mate, Bill, and this was for a person who stayed at our house whom we called the captain. Well, says he, my mate, Bill, would be called the captain as like as not. He had a cut on one cheek with a mighty pleasant way with him, particular in drink as my mate, Bill. We'll put it for argument like that your captain has a cut on one cheek. He does! Well, put it, if you like, the bad cheek's the right one. Ah, well, I told you. Now, is my mate Bill in this ear house? I told him he was out walking. Which way, Sonny? Which way is he gone? And when I had pointed out to the rock and told him how the captain was likely to return and how soon, and answered a few other questions. Ah, said he. This'll be as good as a drink to my mate, Bill. What drink? The expression on his face as he said those words was not at all pleasant, and I had my own reasons for thinking that the stranger was mistaken, even if supposing he had meant what he had said. But it was no affair of mine, I thought, and besides, it was difficult to know what to do. The stranger kept hanging about just inside the inn door, peering round the corner Mommy? like a cat wanting, waiting for a mouse. Uh, the... Bill actually has drunk into rum is a type of alcohol. That's true. And mm -hmm. he's drunk too much. Yeah, you're right. He is sick in the head and also a pirate. Mm. Pirates drink lots of rum. And yeah. I don't think he learned that apple bills are helpful. No, I don't think so either, honey. That's a really good point. All yeah. pirates have more that alpha bills will stop them from spilling. Yeah, you're right. So and that's why they stop bringing apple bills. Could you reach my phone for me, sweetheart? Okay. Why did you get it? Well, because I want to keep an eye on the phone. They were giving me a back rest. Thanks, guys. No problem, mommy. Happy to help, mommy. Oh, ah. he's squishing Dackles. Okay, back there, Dackles. Where was I? Um, once I stepped out myself into the road, but immediately he called me back as I did not obey quick enough for his fancy. A most horrible change came over his tallowy face, and he ordered me in with an oath that made me jump. As soon as I was back in, he returned to his former manner half fawning, half sneering, patted me on the shoulder and told me I was a good boy and he'd taken quite a fancy to me. I have a set of me own, said he, like you as two blocks, 
and he's all the pride of my heart. But the great thing about boys is discipline, Sonny, discipline. Now, if you had sailed along the bill, you wouldn't have stood there to be spoke to twice. Not you. That was never Bill's way, nor the way of such a celebrity. And here, sure enough, is my mate Bill with a spyglass, spyglass under his arm. Bless his old heart, to be sure. You and me'll just go back in the parlor, Sonny, and get behind the door and we'll give Bill a little surprise. Bless his heart. Say again. I don't think so. Is he the bad guy? I think that he's talking about the palace. I think it is actually the pirate ship. <gasps> so saying, the stranger backed along with me into the parlor and put me behind him in the corner so that we were both hidden by the open door. I was very uneasy and alarmed, as you may fancy, and it rather added to my fears to observe that the stranger was certainly frightened himself. He cleared the hilt of his cutlass and loosened the blade on the she in the sheath. And all the time we were waiting there, he kept swallowing as if he felt what we used to call a lump in the throat. What's a lump in the throat? Well, it's when you get really nervous and you feel like you have something in your throat and you can't swallow properly. I, I felt like I had a lump in the throat. I had to choke it up, then swallow it back out. At last, in strode the captain, slamming the door behind him. Pikachu, I can't see. Pikachu! Without looking to the right or left, and he marched straight across the room to where his breakfast awaited him. Bill! said the stranger in a voice that I thought he tried to make big, bold and big. The captain spun around on his heel and fronted us. All the brown had gone out of his face, and even his nose was blue. He had the look of a man who sees a ghost or the evil one, or something worse, if anything can be. And upon my word, I feel, felt sorry to see him in all moment turn so old and sickly. Come, Bill, you know me. You know your old shipmate, Bill, surely, said the stranger. The captain made a sort of gasp. Black dog, said he. And do else, returned the other, getting more at his ease. Black dog as ever was, come to see his old shipmate. Billy at the Admiral Benbow Inn. Oh, Bill, Bill, we've seen a spider times, us two, since I lost them two talons. He held up his mutilated hand. Now, now, look here, said the captain. You've run me down. Here I am. Well, then, speak up. What is it? That's you, Bill, returned Black Dog. You're in the right of it, Billy. I have a glass of rum from this dead child ears. I took such a liking to, and will sit down, if you please, and talk square like old shipmates. Uh, I think Bill is going to drive them overboard mm. and hit a rock and make them fall overboard. Flash! When I returned with the rum, they were already seated on either side of the captain's breakfast table. Black Dog next to the door and sitting sideways so as to have one eye on his old shipmate and one, as I thought, on his retreat. He bade me go and leave the door wide open. None of your keos for me, Sonny, he said, and I left them together and retired to the bar. For a long time, though I certainly did my best to listen, I could hear nothing but a low gattling. But at last the voices began to go higher, and I could pick up a word or two, mostly oaths, from the captain. 
No, 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 and an end to it, he cried once. And again, if it comes to swinging, swing all, I say. Then all of a sudden there was a tremendous explosion of oaths and other noises. <gasps> the chair and the table went over in a lump. A clash of steel followed and then a cry of pain. And the next instant I saw a black dog in full flight and the captain hotly pursuing both with drawn cutlasses and the former streaming blood from the left shoulder. What foot? What happened? Oh no. So they had a fight. And <laughs> they both drew their cutlasses. And the captain stabbed Black Dog in the shoulder. And Black Dog ran away as fast as he could. Just at the door, the captain aimed the fugitive one last tremendous cut, which would certainly have split him from chin, split him to the chin, had it not been intercepted by our big signboard of the Admiral Benbow. You may see the notch on the lower side of the frame to this day. That blow was the last of the battle. Out, Once out upon the road, Black Dog, in spite of his wound, showed a wonderful clean pair of heels and disappeared over the edge of the hill in half a minute. Huh? If he could just mm. run down the other side. The captain, for his part, stood staring at the signboard like a bewildered man. Then he passed his hand over his eyes several times and at last turned back into the house. Jim, says he, rum. And as he spoke, he reeled a little and caught himself with one hand against the wall. Are you hurt? cried I. Rum, he repeated. I must get away from here. Rum, rum. I ran to fetch it, but I was quite unsteady by all that had fallen out. And I broke one glass and fouled the tap. And while I was still getting my own, uh, in my own way, I heard a loud fall in the parlor. And running in behind the captain, uh, beheld the captain laying full length upon the floor. What happened? The captain whoosh, crash. He's lying on the floor now. Why? He fell over. At the same instant, my mother, alarmed by the cries and fighting, came running downstairs to help me. Between us, we raised his head. He was breathing very loud and hard, but his eyes were closed and his face was a horrible color. What was it? I don't know. It doesn't say what color it was. I see. Do you think? Hmm? What do you think it is? I think it was probably very, very pale. Does that mean? It means that, you know, it's not, like, look at my face. It's kind of pinkish. Um, Me too. Yeah. So pale means that all the color would drain out of your face. And just like, <clears throat> so I would be white? Mm -hmm. Super extra. Just so, no color in my face. Not even in my body? <laughs> Um, no, it's probably in the rest of your body. Sometimes that kind of thing can get really pale. Maybe it's stuck into your body. Deary, deary me, cried my mother. What a disgrace upon the house and your poor father's sake. In the meantime, we had no idea what to do to help the captain, nor any other thought but that he had got his death hurt in the scuffle with the stranger. I got the rum to be sure and tried to put it down his throat, but his teeth were tightly shut and his jaws were strong as iron. He's probably having a seizure. What's a seizure? Seizure is when the brain fires off, um, but it doesn't fire correctly. Because there's a lot of like, electricity in the brain. What? So can, electricity? Instead of going ping, 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 it can go ping, 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 And then you kind of shake and roll your eyes back. And you don't know what to do and you can't think. And that's a seizure. People can't help it. 
actually drinking a lot of alcohol. Can we Happy relief for us when the door opened and Dr. Livesey came in on his um, came in on his visit to my father. Oh, doctor, we cried, what shall we do? Where is he wounded? Wounded? A fiddlestick's end, said the doctor. No more wounded than you or I. This man has had a stroke. Oh, there he goes, had a stroke. As I warned him. Now, Mrs. Hawkins, you just run upstairs to your husband and tell him, if possible, nothing about it. For my part, I must do my best to save this fellow's ter terribly worthless life. Jim, uh, you get me a basin. Can you grab my legs and pull me up? No, but you can use your body to come back up. What? When I got back with the basin, the doctor had already ripped up the captain's sleeve and exposed his great sinewy arm. It was tattooed in several places. Here's luck. A fair wind and Billy Bones, his fancy, were very neatly and clearly executed on the forearm, and up near the shoulder there was a sketch of a gallows with a man hanging from it, done, as I thought, with a great spirit. Prophetic, said the doctor, touching a picture with his, the picture with his finger. And now, Miss Master Billy Bones, if that be your name, will have a look at the color of your blood. Jim, he said, are you afraid of blood? No. No, Where sir, are you? said I. I'm right here. Well know. then, he said, you hold the basin. And with that, he took his lancet and opened a vein. A great deal of blood was taken before the captain opened his eyes and looked mistily about him. First, he recognized the doctor with an unmistakable frown. Then his glance fell upon me, and then he looked relieved. But suddenly his color changed. He tried to raise himself, crying, Where's Black Dog? There's no black dog here, said the doctor, except what you have on your own back. You have been drinking rum. You have had a, a stroke, precisely as I told you, and I have just, very much again my, against my own will, dragged you headforemost out of the grave. Now, Mr. Bones, that's not my name, he interrupted. Much I care returned the doctor. It's the name of a buccaneer of my acquaintance, and I call you by it for the sake of shortness. But what I have have to say to you is this. One glass of rum won't kill you, but if you take one, you'll take another, and I'd stake my wig if you don't prick off short. You'll die. Do you understand that? Die, and go to your own place, like the man in the Bible. Now, come, make an effort. I'll help you up to your bed for what's. Why what? Because he doesn't like him very much. Between us, with this, with much Why trouble. Why talk so much? The doctor. Uh, I don't know. Just, I guess that's just how what he does. We managed to hoist him upstairs and laid him on his bed, where his head fell back on the pillow as if he were almost fainting. Now, mind you," said the doctor, "I clear my conscience. The name of rum for you is death." And with that, he went off to see my father, taking me with him by the arm. Taking you with him. Oh, Jim said that he went with the doctor to see his father. This is nothing, he said as soon as he had closed the door. I have drawn blood enough to keep him quiet for a while. He should lie there for a week where he is. That's the best thing for him and for you. 
but another stroke would settle in. Means he has another stroke, then he will die. Oh, that is the end of chapter two. You said I said that we could read two. Two chapters tonight. actually pretty short so I think we could be done okay you talked me into it this is look at the words chapter, chapter three the black dog the black black spot the black I know what that is. It's like a note that is a warning for you that pirates will get you. Ooh. If you stay, they'll get you. If Whoa. you run, they'll get you. <gasps> Chapter 3. Black Spot. About noon, I stopped at the captain's door with some cooling drinks and medicine. He was lying very much as we had left him, only a little higher, and he seemed both weak and excited. Jim, he said, you're the only one here as worth anything. And you know, I've always been good to you. Never a month, but I've given you a silver fourpenny for yourself. And now you see, mate, I'm pretty low, all deserted by all. And Jim, you bring me one nog and a rum now, won't you, matey? No. The doctor, I began, but he broke in, cursing the doctor in a feeble voice, but heartily. Doctors is all swabs. He said to them, and that doctor there, why, what do we know about seafaring men? I've been in places odd as pitch, and had mates dropping round with yellow jack, and the blessed land a-heaving like the sea with earthquakes. What do doctors know of lands like that? And I lived on rum, I tell you. It's been meat and drink, a man and wife to me. If I'd not am my rum now, I'm a poor old oak on a lee shore. My blood'll be on you, Jim, and that. Dr. Swab. And he ran once again for a while with curses. Look, Jim, how my finger fidges, he continued in a pleading tone. I can't keep them still, not I. I haven't had a drop this blessed day. That doctor's a fool, I tell ya. She's not a fool. If I'll just I... punch this book to bed. No, don't punch the book. I'm telling us the story. But he will die. Well, he's a character in the story. And he's making a decision. It's not a good one, but he's making it. I can't keep them still, not I. I haven't had a drop this blessed day. If I don't have a drain of rum, old Jim, I have the auras. I've seen some of them already. I've seen old Flint in the corner there behind you as plain as print. I've seen them. And if I get the auras, I'm a man who has lived rough and I'll raise Cain. Your doctor himself said one glass wouldn't hurt me i'll give you a golden guinea for a noggin jim a golden guinea mm. what's a golden guinea it's a type of gold coin ah! oh. a gold coin for a glass growing... of rum mm -hmm. he was growing more and more excited and this alarmed me and my father me for my father who was very low that day and needed quiet besides i'm reassured i was reassured by the doctor's words now quoted to me and rather offended by the offer of a bribe. I want none of your money, said I, but what you owe my father. 
I'll get you one glass and no more. When I brought it to him, he seized it greedily and drank it out. Hi, hi, said he, that's some better, sure enough. And now, matey, did that doctor say how long I was to lie here in this old berth? A week. A week at least, said I. Good job remembering that. Thunder, he cried, a week? I can't do that. They'd have the black spot on me by then. The lovers is gonna about is gone about to get the wind of me this blessed moment. The lovers as couldn't keep what they got and want to nail what is another's. Is that what seemingly behavior now I want to know? But I'm a saving soul. I never wasted good money of mine nor lost it neither. And I'll trick em again. I'm not afraid of em. I'll shake out another reef, mighty, and daddle em again. As he was thus speaking, he had risen up from bed with a great difficulty, holding to my shoulder with a grip that almost made me cry out, and moving his legs so mu- like so much dead weight. His words, spirited as they were in meaning, contrasted sadly with the weakness of the voice Mommy, with which they were uttered. I'm going to make like half of a skeleton pie. Mm, cool. He paused when he got into sitting position on the edge. That doctor's done me, he murmured. My ears is singing. Lay me back. Before I could do much to help him, he had fallen back against his former pl- again to his former place, where he lay for a while silent. Jim, he said at length, you saw that seafaring man today. What? Black, black dog, I asked. Did you have a question, Miss Rupert? Mm, that looks super cool. It's ah, like... black dog, says he. He's a bad un, but there's worse that put on him. Put him on. Now, if I can't get away, no how. If they tip me the black spot, mind you, it's me old sea chest they're after. You get on a horse. You can ride, can't you? Well, then you get on a horse and you go. Well, yes, I will to that eternal doctor swab. And tell him to pipe all hands, magistrates and such. He'll lay them all aboard the Admiral Benbow, all Flint's old crew, man and boy, all on them that's left. I was first mate, I was, old Flint's first mate. And I'm the only one who knows the place. He gave it to me at Savannah when he lay a dying, like as if I was to now, you see. But you won't peach unless they get a black spot on me. Or unless you see that black dog again, or a seafaring man with one leg, Jim. Him, above all. But what is the black spot, Captain? I asked. Bobby? Yes, sweetheart? This is the seafaring man with one leg. Whoa. He only has one leg. I see it. That's amazing. He's metal made, but he used to have a big leg. Whoa. Then someone cut off his pig leg. That's a summons, mate. I'll tell you if they get that. But you keep your weather eye open, Jim, and I'll share with you equals, pawn my honor. He wandered a little longer, his voice growing weaker, but soon after I had given him his medicine, which he took like a child, with the remark, If ever a seaman want drugs, that's me. He fell at last into a heavy swoon-like sleep in which I left him. What I should have done had I had all gone well, I do not know. Probably I should have told the whole story to the doctor, for I was in mortal fear lest the captain should repent of his confessions and make an end of me. 
But as things fell out, my poor father died quite suddenly that evening, which put all matters, all this other matters, to one skeleton. side. This is like a guy that died, and he's supposed to be in a cave, oh. but I couldn't find all his pieces. Wow. So this is what I got. That's super cool, honey. He's a pirate that died. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. He, he had, someone had took his sword, and... He had, and they had put him, their sword in his chest, too. Whoa. <clears throat> Our natural distress, the visits of the neighbors. And then they took it out and put his, they assorted it. Whoa. And put his sword in his pack. So he never, so they never knew what happened when mm. they saw him. Are you ready for me to read again? Okay. Our natural, thank you for showing that to me, honey. It's very cool. Our natural distress, the visits of the neighbors, the arranging of the fruit, funeral, and all the work of the inn had to be carried on, and the meanwhile kept me so busy that I scarcely had time to think of the captain, far less to be afraid of him. He got downstairs the next morning, to be sure, and had his meals as usual, though he ate little and had more, I'm afraid, than his usual supply of rum, for he helped himself out of the bar, scowling and blowing through his nose, and no one dared to cross him. On the night before the funeral, he was as drunk as ever, and it was shocking in that house of mourning to hear him singing away at his ugly old sea song. Oh, but weak as he was, oh, we were all in fear of death for him, and the doctor was suddenly taken up with a case many miles away and was never near the house after my father's death. I have I have said the captain was weak, and indeed he seemed to grow rather weaker, grow weaker rather than to regain his strength. He clambered up and down stairs and went from parlor to bar and back again, and sometimes he put his nose out of doors to smell the sea, holding onto the walls as he went for support and breathing hard and fast like a man on a steep mountain. What smells sea? Um, he put his nose out of doors to smell the sea, like he, he went outside to smell because they were near the ocean. What do you think he do that? He wanted to smell the ocean. It That's good. He was never particularly ad he never particularly addressed me, and it is my belief that he had as good as forgotten his confidences, but his temper was more flighty, and allowing for his bodily weakness more violent than ever. He had an alarming way now when he was drunk of drawing his cutlass and laying it bare before him on the table. But with all that he minded people less and seemed to shut up in his own thoughts rather than wandering. Once, for instance, to our extreme wonder, he piped up to a different air, a king-of-country love song that he must have learned in his youth before he had begun to follow the sea. So things passed until the day after the funeral, and about three o'clock of a fo bitter, foggy, frosty afternoon, I was standing at the door for a moment, full of sad thoughts about my father, when I saw someone drawing slowly near along the road. He was plainly blind, for he tapped before him a stick, and wore, with it, wore a great green shade over his eyes and nose, and he was hunched as if with age or weakness, and wore a huge old tattered sea cloak with a hood that made him appear positively deformed. I think it was him. Mm. No, I think it was the captain. I never saw in my life a more dreadful looking figure. He stopped a little from the inn, and raising his voice in an odd sing-song, addressed the air in front of him. 
Will any kind friend inform a poor blind man who lost the precious sight of his eyes in the gracious defence of his native country, England, and God bless King George, where and what part of the country he may be now? You were at the Admiral Benbow, Black Hill Cove, my good man, said I. I hear a voice, said he, a young voice. Will you give me your hand, my kind young friend, and lead me in? Mommy, mm -hmm. this is how, do you want to see this, what the skeleton looked like before he died? Oh, sure. But I want to keep reading, okay? Okay, you can see well, you can. Oh, thank you. I held out my hand. And a horrible, soft-spoken, eyeless creature, the horrible, soft-spoken, eyeless creature gripped it in a moment like a vice. I was so much startled that I struggled to withdraw, but the blind man pulled me up close to him with a single action of his arm. Now, boy, he said, take me to the captain. Sir, said I, upon my word, I dare not. Oh, he sneered, that's it. Take me straight or I'll break your arm. And he gave it as he spoke a wrench that made me cry out. Sir, said I, it is for yourself, I mean. The captain is not what he used to be. He sits with a drawn cutlass. Another gentleman. Come now, much, interrupted he. I never heard a voice so cruel and cold and ugly as that blind man's. It cowed me more than the pain. And I began to obey him all at once, walking straight in at the door and towards the parlor where our sick old buccaneer was sitting, dazed with rum. The blind man clung close to me, Mommy, holding me in one iron fist and leaning amongst more of his weight, this almost he more of his weight on me he, than I could carry. This is how he looked before he died. Whoa, that's so cool. And man. when he died, he actually was, his arm was cut off and both of his legs were cut mm. off. And only one arm and his head was left. Whoa. And this. <gasps> wow. That's amazing. And his, his, his weapon was drawn, tucked from his head, and put it in his chest. Oh my gosh. Lead me straight up to him, and when I'm in view, cry out, Here's a friend for you, Bill. If you don't all do this. And with that, he gave me a Do twitch what? that I thought would make me faint. He was holding his arm in a vice. <laughs> no, way harder than that. Well, I'm not going to do it. I'm cold. <laughs> my hands are cold. Between this and that, I was so utterly terrified of the blind beggar that I forgot my terror of the captain. As I opened the, and as I opened the parlor door, cried out the words that he had ordered in a trembling voice. The poor captain raised his eyes, and at one look the rum went out of him and left him staring sober. The expression of his face was not so much of terror as of mortal sickness. He made a movement to rise, but I do not believe he had enough force left in his body. Now, Bill, sit where you are, said the beggar. If I can't see, I can hear a finger stirring. Business is business. This guy was holding this, and... He, like, shot one in there, and the other in his chest. Mm. Yeah, two. Hey, are you 
are you still listening to the book or do you want me to stop? Now, Bill, sit where you are, said the beggar. If I can't see, I can hear a finger stirring. Business is business. Hold out your left hand. Boy, take his left hand by the wrist and bring it near my right. Uh-oh. We both obeyed him to the letter, and I saw him pass something from the hollow of his hand, of the hand that held his stick to the palm of the captain's, which closed upon it instantly. What is it? Now that's done, said the blind man. And at the words, he suddenly left hold of me with incredible accuracy and nimbleness. He skipped out of the parlor and into the road where, as I still stood motionless, I could hear his stick go tap, tap, tapping in the distance. It was some time before either I or the captain seemed to gather our senses. But at length, and about the same moment, I released his wrist, which I was still holding, and he drew his hand and looked sharply at the palm. Ten o'clock! He cried, six hours. We'll do them yet. Hello. And he sprang to his feet. Even as he did, he reeled. He put his hand to his throat, stood swaying for a moment, and then, with a peculiar sound, fell from his whole height, face foremost, onto the floor. Bam. Well, he popped up. He was going to, like, oh, I'm going to get out of here. And then, I ran to him at once, calling. I ran to him at once, calling to my mother, but haste was all in vain. The captain had been struck dead by thundering apoplexy. What's apoplexy? Um, it's just kind of it's a word that used to be used, but he most likely had another stroke or he had a heart attack and died. Uh, um, so why did he have a heart attack? Well, he probably got himself super upset. It is what? His, well, by being given the black spot. How do you give the black spot? What's the black spot? What is the black spot? It's like mm. a spot and it's black. Mm. It's like a circle, so, but it's black. I only have a couple more sentences of this Mommy, chapter. Mommy, if you, you ever get that, we... Only pirates get the black spot. Oh, you. Yeah, they're not pirates. They're okay. The Captain David is a pirate. <laughs> He's a pretend pirate, though. Okay. He's not going to get the black spot either. It is a curious thing to understand, for I had certainly never liked the man, though of late I had begun to pity him. But as soon as I saw that he was dead, I burst into a flood of tears. It was the second death I had known, and the sorrow of the first was still fresh in my heart. End of chapter three. Can we do one more, please? No, not tonight, sweetheart. We can read more tomorrow, though. Um, the next chapter, do you want to know what it's going to be called? Chapter 4. The Sea Chest. All right, you want to say goodnight, podcast listeners? Goodnight, Night pirate podcast listeners, don't you be doing anything to be getting the best. But now you hear, do your best piratey voice. Yar mateys. Yar mateys. Don't you have some water before bed and stay away from the rum for now. Yar.
David's drinking his water. Captain Bob. Arr. Nicely done, Captain David. Arr, avast! Ahoy! Yo ho ho! Yo ho ho! And a, a bottle, bottle of rum. Scurvy swabs. Bye, bad cost. Bad podcast listeners. You give me a yar har har. Yar har har. <laughs> you have you haven't returned me golden dagger. <laughs> Wait for me, golden gun with me golden crossbows. Hmm. Not sure they ever had those, but okay. Yes, took it, matey. <laughs>